Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmata Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. It's Super Bowl week, and I'm Dave Zarn. Joined, as always, by a man who still wishes the Patriots were starting Drew Bledsoe. That's just how he rolls. Dan Baker. DB, Bledsoe's 52 years old, man. He couldn't be doing it anymore. He does nothing to say. Okay, <laughs> I'm not surprised, Dan. You know, I was you, ready for a deflate gate joke. I'm not deflating your balls this week. <laughs> um, this. You haven't passed me? Is that what you're saying? Oh, man. The, two, the, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. The, the balls have been deflated all over the place. Joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? Why are we here and not Phoenix? What's what? Was it budget? What is this? Oh, I expect to be in sunny, sunny Phoenix now, not 25-degree Washington, D.C. I love my town, but come on. I, oh, my. Are you saying that you don't love your town? I, love, I said I love my town. And me, Mark Barry. How you doing, me, Mark? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad not that to was be in deflate. Phoenix. It's hot there. It's fine. It's gross in Phoenix. You want to be in Phoenix, Big babies. Man? I'm talking Phoenix. about for the show. You better carry your papers in Phoenix. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you, like Everybody in this room right now uh, could arguably pass for Latino in the right circumstances, especially with your little goatee that you got going on, Mark. Yeah, you got a little... Or, or I, what's a, what, what are you implying at this point? I'm just saying that like Arizona is a is a f- anti-immigrant fascist police state, and I'm glad wow. to be there. <laughs> All right, um, thank you. That being said, we have a great show this week. We're going to talk to Rachel Nichols from CNN. All right, good so get. excited to do that. Yes, sir. Uh, we got to go to break now. We'll be back to talk the bowl after this. of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. 
Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach, Kevin Dodd. How you doing, coach? My man. Hey, Mark. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Uh, you should be doing well, man. <laughs> it is Super Bowl week. So good. An event that is watched by more people than any. It's so crazy because the the cable dial is now chock full of channels. Mm-hmm. People got these things, these these laptop computers. They got the phones with the with the buttons and the numbers. They how, got the how, podcast. How old are you? They got the you know they, you got the radio <laughs> with the late night show. And despite all of these entertainment options. This event has only gotten bigger. Mm, mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And this year's will be watched by more people than any other in history. That makes everything about it noteworthy. It's the closest thing to a shared experience we have left in this country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so part of that means that every little story from the silly media week that leads up to the Super Bowl becomes a huge story and has ramifications well beyond the sports page. And there are two stories that, of course, have dominated the lead-up to the Super Bowl, neither of which involve whether or not the Seahawks or the Patriots are going to win this game. And those stories involve Marshawn Lynch Mm -hmm. either thumbing his nose at hardworking reporters or taking control of his own labor by saying 29 times those magical words, I'm here so I won't get fined. And... Bill Belichick and whether or not the Patriots be cheating. Be cheating. So I throw it to you, Coach, first mm-hmm. on this Marshawn Lynch question because this issue about a, a fantastically charismatic, incredibly talented player and a media that seems to loathe him because of his inability to play their game mm-hmm. obviously Nicely hits said. a lot of sensitive points. Mm-hmm. On a host of issues, mm-hmm. from social anxiety to race to generational differences, so much is at play here, mm-hmm. to, to class as well. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, like, you have Russell Wilson, more middle-class background, and why can't he speak like Russell Wilson? I mean, that is a class attack on Marshawn Lynch, saying that he can't speak as well, and leaving out the fact that, but from my reporting, like, he got a 3.2 GPA at Berkeley, and it wasn't a BS 3.2. baby, yeah. It wasn't a BS 3.2. Like, he went to class, he did his thing at school. So I throw to you, Coach, what is your take on Marshawn Lynch and all the kerfuffles surrounding him? Kerfuffle, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Seen in three three layers, Dave. One, criticizing uh, and judging his actions. Two, Lynch keeping it real. And three, his responsibility as a role model in the community. And that's the big one. Um, criticizing and judging his action. Let's start there. You have so much people on radio and talk shows and so forth and so on going after him as a man. His actions, whether he speaks or not, whether he should speak, that's one thing. But you don't know him. And, and it's, it's a lot of white media and people on talk shows having the arrogance and the, and the, and the unalienable right to criticize him like this. And I, that bothers me to the stream. You don't know him and, and, and because you have never talked to him, and he's not talking unless you read about him. And go to the community point. Okay. Um, but, but, but first of all, let me finish that. He's the toughest player in football. And you know what I know? As a referee, you watch this stuff in a, in a referee football. When he gets up, there's not a lot of trash talk with him. There's a lot of tapping on the helmet, tapping on the butt, because they know he's the most physical guy out there. So he is loved as a football player. But yet you got people saying, oh, what should you do? How should a coach handle him? You don't have to handle him. Coaches want him, Dave. And you spoke about this. Here's one of the reasons why people, why the coaches in the NFL will tell you they want him, because he does not cater to the media. He's not out there about his brand. You spoke two weeks ago. You spoke about how people 
athletes are after their brand. They would rather have Marshawn Lynch, who wants to play football 24-7, than to have RG3, who's out there promoting his brand every day. So let's be clear about that. Now let me talk about Lynch keeping it real. Lynch, a part of that, he's just shy, and he, does, he, he wants the credit to go to his office alignment and so forth, so he doesn't talk. But a lot of that is now has gotten to an area of pride, and it's gotten to an area of I'm keeping it real and who I am. And a black athlete does it. I love it. I dig it. Keep it real. But the black athlete must understand what he has to do in keeping it real and being able to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, not keeping it black enough and so forth. So he has to understand how to pimp the league the way the league is pimping him. And he has to understand when to get off of his um, uh, keeping it real and to capitalize on the league. So that's, that's the other thing. And here's the big one, Dave, and I, and I, and I want you to come to on this one. His responsibility to the community. He's not talking. And he goes up there and he, and he speaks at the podium and he just says whatever, that, that, that line he repeated 29 times. Okay, that's cool. But here is something I tell kids from middle school to high school, coaching, referee speaking, I t- especially black kids because they're reticent and they, and they close mouth. I, tell, I force them to talk. I engage them. I ask them questions. I want them to critically think because I tell them your voice and your mind is going to carry you far more than a jump shot. And so when they see Lynch up there, this I, I, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm hoping they've seen the total package of what they have to do and don't say, hey, that's cool. I want to be like that. They need to understand there's more to it than being a, a, a moving forward as an athlete than just jump shots, dunking, and running for first downs. I disagree with you on a couple of fronts, and I want Talk to say why. I know you would. Okay, the first thing is, um, I, th- I think you're wrong on a couple of things. The first is the question of responsibility of the community. That's one of the things about Marshawn Lynch, is that he's from Oakland. Yes, Oakland. And the extent of his community work and foundation work and mentoring work in Oakland is unreal like I was going through a whole catalog of everything he does in Oakland I mean he grew up on very very difficult streets in one of the most difficult cities in this country and what he did was absolutely what he does is unbelievable and I think the I mean think about it if every athlete who didn't care about or think about the community just in the abstract but thought about the community very directly as where I am from and giving back to the specific blocks of streets where I am from, he's an A+. Plus. The, the kind of role modeling that he does, that will actually matter. You know, not in the, no, let me finish. Let me, yeah, not in the no, big abstract agree, matter, agree but you. very concretely matter. And so he should get credit for that. Uh, the second thing I would say about pimping the league is I would argue that he's doing just that. Because by saying those 29 things over and over again, I'm just here to get fined, he's getting more publicity, more ad time, more discussion than he would if he just said the same cliches. Like, what has Russell Wilson said this week? Nobody knows. Because he says, well, we play one game at a time. Good Lord willing, we play one game at a time. Ho-hum. So it's a marketing gimmick? It's a marketing gimmick. No, it's not just that it's a marketing gimmick. It's that people in this country, what they're attracted to, which old media doesn't understand, is authenticity. And there's something authentic about Marshawn Lynch that attracts people. So in his way, in a way that's very judo, that's very playing karate with the ocean, that's very <laughs> letting like people's momentum of your enemies work against you, he is pimping this league from here to kingdom come. And then the last point I just would throw in with, and me, Mark, if we don't get to you in this segment, we'll come back on the <laughs> flip right. side. The last He's point, I know he is, but this is important, is you mentioned, I think correctly, 
the racial dynamic, and you talked about white sports writers and how they respond to them. Not writers, no. More, more or less callers and calling show. I've been listening to that. All of ahead. that stuff. Go ahead. I find it very interesting, very evocative, and very historically on point and illustrative that two of his biggest critics have been, uh, public critics, have been Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon, because one of the things that you see, and this no was kid. true in Ali, it's so interesting because Ali couldn't stop talking, and Marshawn Lynch doesn't want to talk. But what they have in common is that they create anxiety, not just in white writers, but older black writers. There's a generational divide as well. You go back and you look at what older black sports writers wrote about Ali and the Chicago Defender and the mm -hmm. Amsterdam News. He was not popular in the black press in 1960 at all. He was a loudmouth. He wasn't a good race man like Joe Lewis. Very criticized. Very similar with Lynch. Like they don't Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, they don't like him because of what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they use all the code words that say that. And for Wilbon, I mean, this has been his act for 15 years when he used to call Allen Iverson's friends a posse and would write boys with seven Z's afterwards. And I think that that's a very interesting connection is that oftentimes when you have young black athletes attempt to control their own labor, mm -hmm. which is a key part of this, control their own labor uh, what happens is they create profound anxieties uh, in older generation sports writers, particularly black sports writers. Hey, we got to go They're to break puppets, right man. now. We're going to come back after this. Sick. I know it does, Coach. I mean, but you know I what? We got to hear from stuff. Mean Mark. So, yeah. yo, we're going to go to break <laughs> right now. And, Mark, we're going to hear from you right after this. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio and podcast. It is the <laughs> Super Bowl show. We're going to be talking in a little bit to Rachel Nichols from CNN. Very excited about that. She'll be calling in from Arizona at the site of the Super Bowl. Mean Mark Barry, you had yep. to play uh, Marcel Marceau in that last segment. <laughs> so talk to us, my man. What What is your take on Marshawn Lynch? And let me lay it out before you yep. say it, Mark, because... Let's face it. I mean, one of the reasons why the NFL is so big is because uh, the media makes it so big. So, And that's why it's in every player's contract that they have to talk to the media Absolutely. because it helps promote the league. And yet here's Marshawn Lynch pushing against that, yet it's actually making it a bigger story. He's getting trashed by a lot of people, folk hero to other folks. How do you see it? I mean, I, I tend more towards folk hero. I, I, I'm very much backing uh, backing your story, everything that you've been talking about this, both and most of what coaches said, I think it's important to talk about mental illness and to talk about social anxiety and these sorts of things that are discounted and thrown away as, oh, well, he just doesn't want to talk to them. Uh, in terms mm -hmm. of this, you look at uh, what players like Marshawn Lynch and looking at a different sport, what Royce White uh, mm -hmm. did as a as a uh, as a basketball player with social anxiety. We have with to say though, Mark, because yes. I did I did some deep sea research on this for an article I, I did this week. Royce White has a diagnosed yeah. social anxiety disorder. Marshawn Lynch, you, you look it up, and it's friends and people around him who say 
he's this, but it's 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 never been diagnosed. He's right. never it's never been anything that he's sought treatment for, gotten medication for, and that makes some people think it's a little bit of an okie doke. Just putting yeah. that out there. I mean, again, pe- people are going to take the take facts that are out there and shape it into whatever narrative that they're going to want, and they'll use the lack of a diagnosis to to claim that it doesn't exist in the first place. But I think that it's these kind of players who don't play by the 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 mandated rules towards these media that. I've, that I mean, they, it, it puts them up to be vilified by the media, and again, you see what the reaction has been from the people True. who who are on the side of Marshall Lynch, and I'm very much one of those people, and the people who are against it. And yeah, exactly. It's like people are more people are talking about Marshall Lynch than anyone else because of this. And what does that say about the system? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very well put. Mm-hmm. Now, the other interesting political. Uh, sort of sideshow, of course, is the inflate gate, <laughs> the balls, uh, <laughs> the Patriots. Are there cheaters? I'll be honest with you. I'm not that interested in whether the Patriots – I mean, I'm kind of on the Louis C.K. side of things where he said it's football. Aren't they trying to take each other's eyes out? You know, it's, it's like it, – you know what I'm saying? So I'm less interested in Patriots as cheaters. What I'm interested in, which actually I find very interesting, is the amount of crap that they are getting from inside the tent – because it's one thing to go on Twitter and see a hundred people who you've never heard of call the Patriots cheaters or the occasional columnist, but I've been stunned by the number of former players working for places like ESPN, people who don't have rep- Stephen A. Smith reputations. Whether you're talking about Jerome Bettis, whether you're talking about Mark Brunell, mm-hmm. I mean, just straight up saying they're lying, straight up ca- calling them habitual line crossers. I mean, this. I mean, uh, Ray Lewis saying if they win the Super Bowl, it should have an asterisk on oh, it. Mister Deer Antler Spray himself, yeah, Ray Lewis. How about that? And it's what's so interesting about that to me is the parallel for me is like imagine if the police held a Black Lives Matter rally. I mean, that would be pretty damn shocking. And the reason why we wouldn't expect to see that is because there's this thing called the thin blue line where cops don't criticize other cops. I mean, you get outliers sometimes, but when all those cops turn their back on Bill de Blasio at the cops' funeral in New York, Mm -hmm. you look at the picture, one cop was choosing not to turn their back. And you wondered how many of those cops disagree with turning the back but are doing it because that's what it means to be a cop. That's what you do. And the NFL operates on very similar rules. Look at the number of players who defended Richie Incognito, for goodness sakes. Yeah. I mean, it was done do. because you're not yet, yeah, but also because you're not supposed to. The, the person who's at fault is Jonathan Martin, the whistleblower, not the person who's being a racist pig, Richie Incognito. That's the values in the National Football League. And I'm shocked that those rules are not applying to the Patriots. I'm legitimately shocked. By the number of inside the tent pissing, Mark. What? What is? Does that? Is this about jealousy? I mean, that's one. I. I, I can't, is this about Belichick's demean? I mean, what do you? What do you get? What do you draw from that? Man, I. I. I, I agree. It's super weird. Uh, I think a lot of it is an anti-patriot backlash. Whether whether it but be, in the league, of in, course, there's yeah, one national. No, it's like it, even within the league and these sorts of things. I, I think that Spygate was huge and left ramifications that. Had, in a lot of people's minds, in the league or, or outside, has put a pall on everything in, in the kind of the Belichick era. If that was something that was acceptable for them one time, what would they do afterwards? And they're looking for an excuse. They're mm-hmm. looking for, and then this comes out, and there's lots of talk about it's like whether whether this has happened before or this was just the first time. But there, uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of smoke out there. I've told you <laughs> this, guys. That yeah, I've told you guys this before. Um, but it's to me, it's the Queen of England test. Uh-oh. Like if I got on this show. 
and I said, hey, Mitt Romney had an affair with the Queen of England, you'd say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Someone take this guy's mic. But if I said, hey, Bill Clinton had an affair with the Queen of England, you'd be like, word? Did, did that happen? And you might tell a friend, yo, my buddy Dave said that Bill Clinton mm, had an affair mm. with the Queen. Because when it's Clinton, it's believable. So while mm. someone else, you might say, wow, 11 of 12 balls uh, were deflated. That must mean there was something like in the atmosphere that day that deflated all the balls. That must mean there was something with the gauge that day, you know, which affected all the balls. Because if it's 11 of 12, that must mean that, you know, they weren't really messed with because they were all deflated. But with the Patriots, because it's 11 out of 12, it's like, aha, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. But, Coach, I mean, moving away from this for a second, mm-hmm. let's talk about the game and the time we have left. Mm-hmm. Coach, talk to me. What's very fascinating about this game is, remember last year, mm-hmm. it was like the Broncos do one thing, and that's they're going to pass the damn ball. The Seahawks do one thing. They're going to defend the damn pass. And you saw what happened. I yes. mean. Oh, my God, 41-8, to eight, we're done. This case, the Patriots, they do a lot of different things. And different, you know, that LeGarrette Blunt was their best player last game. Previous game, playoff game before that, Tom Brady, they didn't run the ball once in the second half against mm-hmm. the Ravens. I mean, so they can do a lot of different things. What do you see, Coach, happening this week? Give me your expectation, give me your score, give me your MVP, and give me, please, who you think could be a dark horse MVP? Well, Mark is Mark is our guru on football, so I'm just going to take a light. I see a great game. I have I have no way of knowing. Belichick two weeks, like you said, they they might not pass it. I don't think Blunt's special, so I, I can't see him being being totally effective. Um, it's going to be a great game. I really cannot call this. I'm just mm-hmm. going on who I like better the two teams, and I'd like to see Seattle repeat. Seattle twenty eight twenty four. Marshawn Lynch, my man, to <laughs> trump all, and having a uh, 28 carries, 161 yards, two, uh, two TDs. Uh, Dark Horse, should New England win? Oh, oh Should New England win? A... Dark Horse MVP oh, is man. Julian Edelman because <sighs> traditionally um, short receivers, small receivers, the intermediate guys get off against um, Sherman, who's, who's, who's dinged up. In other corner, I can't think of forget his name. Uh, Leave it there. For Go the on. record, I so object to your dark horse being on the <laughs> other team. <laughs> Whatever. And the other cornerback is Lane, right? Yeah, Jeremy Lane. Jeremy Lane, and that yeah. that will that name will come up again in a second. But go ahead. I yeah, I, I think this is interesting. This is coming off of Russell Wilson's worst game as as a professional quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are talking about the comeback and the, the the late fourth quarter and overtime. Wilson had four interceptions against against the Green Bay Packers. Played terribly and a one QBR through three quarters and a one QBR. Absolutely, I mean, it's, it's amazing <laughs> that he came back and was able to to, to do this. But but he did. It, but he came back. It's going to be interesting. I. I feel strongly about both the run defense and pass defense of the Seahawks. I think they're going to be able to control, at least for the most part. It's not going to be a blowout. The Seahawks are going to be able to win this game. I'm going to go one MVP pick. No, It's like no big, no no minus. I think it's Jermaine Curse. It's Jermaine mm. Curse, wide receiver. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, of uh, paying attention to the underneath the, uh, the Doug Baldwin's and Curse always comes up with one big touchdown. I think he comes up with a couple 120 yards, couple touchdowns, wins MVP. Wow! All right, I like dark this. horse. 
No, no, he's 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 doubling. Oh, he's, not, oh, he's, he's down. doubling just down one. on Kurt Busch. I think it's kind of a badass thing to do, to wow. tell you the truth. Yeah, he's tough. Uh, this is I hate sounding familiar, but I'm going to sound a little bit familiar. Um, I like it 37-24 Seahawks. Mm. Um, I oh, wow. like the MVP. I I really do think that this is going to be about the the crowning of Marshawn Lynch. I think mm. that's what I think there is a narrative at play that isn't going to go anywhere. Marshawn Lynch, I like the idea, seriously, of them really running him. Like, I'm talking like 30 carries, 140 yards, like tough yards, 30 for 140, uh, two touchdowns. He's your MVP. My dark horse is Jeremy Lane because the thing yeah. about Sherman, mm-hmm. he's Absolutely. unique. He's really unique in that. You said Sherman he, he has trouble with small receivers, with Edelman and whatnot. But the thing about Sherman is he's not going to leave his spot on that side. Right. Unlike a lot of great corners, he doesn't tra- trail the other best receiver. He just controls his one side. And Edelman moves all over the field. Lane is the one who they're going to try to test, even with Sherman a little bit banged up. And I could totally see Lane taking one to the house, playing killer defense and winning the MVP if it's, <laughs> if it's, a, if it's a defensive-dominated game. And I think the utter dark horse of all things would be, can you imagine a world where Bobby Wagner is a back-to-back? Back and wasn't it Bennett was also back. MVP last year? Wasn't it co-MVPs? No, it, was, it was just Wagner. We're going to check. We'll be back after this with Rachel Nichols. And at the close, we'll tell you who was the MVP last year. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? All good, baby. All good. And me, Mark. How you doing, me, Mark? So good. So good. Our next guest comes from the site of the Super Bowl. She is the Swiss Army Knife of CNN slash Turner Sports in that she does just about everything. So proud to have her on the show. So much to talk to her about. Her name is Rachel Nichols. Rachel, how are you doing? I like that. I'm going to put that, if I had a jersey, I'd put that on the back of my jersey. (laughs) And it actually leads to my first question for you, because you do so many different things for Turner Sports. Yeah. i got to ask you, where does Super Bowl week, on the sheer occupational enjoyment factor, satisfaction factor, where does Super Bowl week land for you? Well, the game itself I'm pretty into. People always ask me what my favorite thing to cover is. And I have to just cop to the fact that I'm a big bandwagon jumper and I like wherever the action is right now. Mm-hmm. So there is no more of a place where the action is right now than the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it is the most watched television event we have in our country, more than entertainment, more than politics. And, and you know, it's the thing. And so uh, since I like when there's a live event and you never know what is going to happen and there is so much on the line, Super Bowl is pretty much it for that, right? Yeah, and as a sports person, I mean, there's no event that brings out the sort of silly season more than the Super Bowl. I mean, we're well, spending... you notice I said the game. I did not say right. the week. <laughs> and so, but how is that though? Because you're there to do journalism, and there's all of this uh, fluff around you. How do you negotiate it to try to find the stories? What is that a, a tremendous challenge, or is it more like there's stories coming out of the walls? So it's actually very easy to find things to talk about and discuss. Yeah, I mean, look, it's up and down. It's both of those. The answer is both. There there are times when things just hit you in the face just because of the sheer number of cyclones going on here. It's going to dust up something. On the other hand, you know, there are times where you just sit there and say, I can't believe 
this is going on. We were at Media Day on Tuesday. I'm trying to ask Rob Gronkowski a question, and I'm sort of competing to get my question in <laughs> with another person who was offering him an Xbox to answer right. his question. Well, <laughs> as a journalist, I don't come armed with an Xbox. So, no. you know, it's a different environment here, obviously. Yeah, you have to wait for him to finish reading the excerpt from the Gronk erotica yes, so exactly. you can ask him a question. <laughs> A, so you know, I mean, its own challenge. That, that that's funny. The 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 bribery for answering questions is a whole different level. So now I'm I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is I've wanted to ask you this question for for a couple weeks now. So I'm gonna take the opportunity, even though you're at uh, ground zero of what everybody's talking about. Um, last fall, during uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell's press conference, you earned. Mm-hmm. A lot of very deserved praise in a very intense environment for asking whether former FBI director Robert Mueller was the best person to lead the investigation to find out what the NFL knew and when they knew it regarding Ray Rice. And when you did that, Roger Goodell, he snapped back at you with uh, about your impugning the integrity of a former FBI director and didn't really mm-hmm. answer the question. It was the right question to ask. The Mueller report is out. And I just I would love your assessment of the report and whether you think that based on the report, your question was more than justified. Yeah, I mean, look, the question wasn't, is he going to do a good enough job? The question, and I made that point in my question, which made you know Roger's answer a little redundant. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the point is when you are trying to win back the trust of the American public, when you are trying to reestablish the integrity of the league by using this investigation. I mean, that's, that's sort of what it was for. In fact, stated that's what it was for. If that's the point, well, then don't you want someone without financial ties to the NFL? Mm-hmm. And then later we found out that two NFL owners were supervising that investigation. So, look, you know, the investigation, I think, was thorough. And as I said, both then and now, I have no issue with Robert Mueller at all. I mean, I think his integrity is probably above reproach and that, you know, what he did was what he was asked to do. I thought Mike Rosenberg of Sports Illustrated made a great point, though, which is that what they were asked to do in the Mueller report was investigate two very narrow points of inquiry. And uh, Mike had a great line that, you know, we're trying to decide if the NFL got its hands caught in the cookie jar and what they asked them to investigate is the health benefits of cookies. You know, and then all of a sudden the discussion is about something else. So, you know, the Mueller report is what it is. It is a very thorough inquiry into a very specific topic done by somebody who probably did a fantastic, thorough job. But we will always have the lingering question of could this have been done more voraciously by someone outside? And the NFL is going to have to live with that lingering question because they're the one who set up the paradigm. That's why. Now, uh Bob Costas, he said right after that press conference, he didn't think that Roger Goodell would last as commissioner. I think Vegas was even taking bets about how long Roger Goodell would last as commissioner. And he clearly has weathered this particular storm. He's not going anywhere. Does that surprise you at all? No. I mean, I was on TV that day saying that he will remain commissioner of the NFL. I mean, you have to understand what's important to the 32 people who employ him, and that is a lot different than what's important to the rest of the general public. He makes them more money than any of us can really even imagine or quantify. And it's mm-hmm. not just the $9 billion in annual revenue. It's the ways to the, own, the path to outside money that the owners have gotten. It's the limits on payouts that they've had to done. Think about the concussion settlement. 
that his office was part of engineering the settlement for. The idea that there are all these concussions of all these years and that the cap of that initial settlement was $25 million per owner, I mean, they must have felt like they were getting away, you know, with highway yes. robbery at that point. Now, obviously, that concussion settlement has been revisited. But the fact that he can do those kinds of financial negotiations, the fact that he has, you know, been able to preside over such exponential financial growth, it's the reason they paid him $44 million in his mm-hmm. last reported salary package. And that tells you everything you need to know about how valuable he is to the owners. Now, I, I want to ask you a question I asked a, a Hall of Famer, Daryl Green, earlier today. Because Daryl Green is someone he played 20 years. He spanned Roselle, Tag Leopoo, right. uh, Goodell. It's kind of an amazing perspective that, that, that he brings to it because of that. Um, do you think the league would be better off if it just said, hey, we're a football league. There's a legal system to deal with issues such as uh, domestic violence. There's a legal system that deals with issues such as improper taking of, of, of illegal prescription drugs or, or and all these things like that and just said, we play football. That's what we do. Instead of what the league tries to be, which is to say we stand for the shield. I never heard Paul Tagliabue talk about the shield. I'm almost positive that's a Goodell creation. And this idea that we are integrity, we are America, we are something bigger than just a game, which then, of course, opens it up to charges of hypocrisy every time a story comes out of something happening. Do you you think the league is smart or better off for trying to be this exemplar, or do you think it should actually wind that down? Well, I think it's realistic on their part, because let's face it, they are bigger than a game. This is the most popular thing in America. It's not the most popular sport in America. It's the most popular thing in America. We don't come together over religion. We don't all watch the same political shows. Not enough people vote to even register when you compare it to how many watch Mm -hmm. NFL games. This is it. This is where we meet as Americans. 80% of Americans watched an NFL football game last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, This Sunday's Super Bowl will be the highest-rated television show ever in Mm -hmm. American history. This is it. And the fact that we, as the public, as the ones who are spending the money, who are spending our time watching them on television, demand that they do get held to a higher standard, that they do get better, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them acting as a corporation because they're a huge corporation, and any other corporation in America would not put a front-facing employee into the public eye after they've just committed a major crime. If you were the head of Apple, if you were the number two or number three or number five person in Apple, and you were supposed to give the keynote address at MIT or at some other sort of big conference, and you had just been arrested for beating your wife, I promise you, Apple would pull that person from giving the keynote address and stick someone else up there. We're talking about front-facing employees of one of the hugest corporations in America, the most popular thing that we as Americans do. I am okay with us as the public holding them to the higher standard, and I'm okay with internally the NFL holding themselves to a higher standard. I think we should applaud them for that. I got it. But that that also speaks to Goodell's continued employment, though, because one wonders if uh, if Steve Ballmer, for example, or or if Bill Gates had been found to be at least in a series of conflict of interests around sure. a series of crimes, would the board of directors of Apple say, you know what, you really can't be the face of this company anymore? Well, I think, you know, we know enough about corporate America to know the answer to that, right? It's they employ people who make the money to the point that they can get away with it. I mean, I think that's what we have found in this country. And, you know, uh, (laughs) they've made it to the line, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't think I don't think it's unique in American business culture.
I got to ask you a big picture question just because you, you've been doing this and on a variety of different fronts for a long – and even in the short career that you've had, I mean compared to people who've been doing this decades and decades, you've seen profound changes in the sports landscape. And, yep. um, and whether uh, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it as a compliment when you say oh. short career that you think I'm so young. I, I'm actually not, but I'm going I'm to <laughs> – yeah, you you know some of the. Compliment. I, I should I should probably tell you that like I find myself seeking out a lot people like Bob Lipsight, like people who literally Frank DeFord, yes. people have been doing this like sixty years. So yes, you are course. a spring bird, so to speak. I love it. Uh, um, so, but you've seen how whether it's uh, Roger Goodell, whether it's Donald Sterling, whether it's athletes saying Black Lives Matter, whether it's athletes coming out of the closet, mm-hmm. um, you've seen a lot of the rules that have governed sports, like don't be political, owners are untouchable. Like a lot of these, just in the last year, we've seen these like just stand on its head. Yeah. What's what's changed? Um, I think the leadership of particular athletes. Look, I, I was not covering sports in the 70s when, you know, you had Billie Jean King or Arthur Ashe making important statements or in the 60s with Muhammad Ali. But I was covering sports in the 90s when Michael Jordan was the most influential athlete in America. And the fact that the most influential athlete in America was saying loud and clear, I don't want to get involved with that stuff. I think the line was Republicans buy sneakers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every other athlete follows his lead. Be like Mike. I mean, there's certainly exceptions to that, but I think those kinds of of big, big stars set the tone. And the fact that now you have big, big stars setting the tone in the other direction, and I give LeBron James, frankly, a lot of credit for that, um, makes a difference. And, And other guys see that, and they say other women in those sports see that, and they say, you know what, it's important for us to do something too. You know, everyone talks to each other, and they certainly, right. especially now in the age of social media, see each other's Twitter pages, and, and they know what everybody's doing. Um, and I think when you have big names like Serena Williams or like LeBron James or like some of the football players that we've seen take a stand, you know, it makes a difference. And I think that other people who might not be inclined to go one way or the other follow follow the wave. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating that LeBron James wore the I Can't Breathe shirt because he tweeted something about liking that Derrick Rose did it, and Jarrett Jack saw the tweet and mm-hmm. got shirts made and brought them to the locker room. I thought that was just yep. a fascinating, like, oh, that's how the, that particular sausage was made. Yep. Last question for you, Rachel, and I, I ask this of everybody who comes on the show, whether they're uh, an obscure rugby player in New Zealand fighting to keep a nuclear site from opening near their field to superstars of the Rachel Nichols mold. Um, (laughs) I I, I ask you, if you could have dinner with one person in the history of sports, living or dead, and you get to pump them up full of sodium pentothal, so they have to tell you (laughs) any truth that you want to hear, you just get to, it doesn't have to even be an athlete, anybody connected to sports that you could just be like, okay, this person will be an open book for me for the next 60 minutes. Who would it be? I'm going to give you a cliche answer, but for a personal reason. My my cliche answer is Muhammad Ali, but the personal reason is because I was on an airplane one day trying to go from Washington, D.C. to New York, and it was one of those packed planes. It was a Friday afternoon. I had been doing a crazy, you know, few days of work, and I sat down. I was actually in the, you know, in a row that had two empty seats next to me, and I was sitting there going, please, please, you know, you just want Mm -hmm. them to close the door, right? Like, like close the door, let those seats be empty. I don't want to be a sardine for the the flight, you know, uh, just I want to sort of spread out and, and have an hour here to myself, quiet time. And I'm like, God, why are they not closing the door? And finally, five minutes after they were supposed to close the door, 
onto the plane walks Muhammad Ali and his wife, and they sit down next to me. And this was unfortunately after Parkinson's had sort of ravaged Muhammad Ali, and he was he was obviously completely there and funny and and sort of participating as I spoke at length with his wife and you know chiming in with funny sort of half words and sounds. Um, but I have always wondered what that conversation would be like had he been able to be himself the way we all knew him to be. And uh, that that's definitely a moment for me that I wish I could sort of have a time machine moment on. And uh, it was really special, of course, even in the moment. But uh, but would love to have a redo as well. Wow. That was awesome. As, as someone <laughs> who would stuff. also give the cliche answer of Mom and Ali, great, great, great. thank you very much for that. That was terrific. Hey, Rachel Nichols, we'll be watching your coverage of the Super Bowl on yeah, CNN. I gotta, I gotta... Uh, Please plug what you want to plug. We've got a a special I'm co-hosting with Dan Marino on Friday. I mean, on Saturday at 4 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, tune in for that. you got myself and uh, one of the quarterbacks who was there and thought he'd be back. And then we'll certainly get his impressions on that and and everything else breaking down the big game. And please ask him about his love of Bikram yoga. He's a hot yoga aficionado. (laughs) I think I'll leave with that. Yes. (laughs) That's what America wants to know. Right? (laughs) I'm doing some right now. It's a little hot. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel. Appreciate it. Sure, guys. Have a great afternoon. Good luck at the bowl. That was Rachel Nichols, ladies and gents. Mm -hmm. Hey, we got to go to break right now. We'll be back right after this. Don't move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Oh, man. We're back here on Edge of Sports. We're wrapping up the show, and we're going to wrap up with who... Dan Baker sees as winning the Super Bowl, and he know. Dan just queued up this song. <laughs> we got three people on this side of the table, all who think the Seahawks is going to win. Dan, who do you think is going to win? But don't forget, man, who's your MVP and who is your dark horse? And give I got us a it, score. I got it. I got the Patriots winning 24-20. to 20. Don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you fellows over there on that side of the table. I think that this is, again, by far the best Patriots defense that we've seen. And like Mark said, Russell Wilson coming off the worst game of his professional career. This Seahawks offense, outside of Marshawn Lynch, is not good. It's average. Russell Wilson made some good plays. I have faith in the defense of the Patriots. Also, on offense, I don't know. I don't know how anyone is possibly going to stop Rob Gronkowski. I know they have... Some pretty good guys in the secondary. Some pretty big some pretty good players guys. in the Arguably secondary. Arguably the best secondary in the league. But they also haven't the played anyone like Gronk. And I think with a healthy Gronk, we've never seen it in the playoffs until now. And I think he's going to help carry them. My MVP, I'm going to put it on Brady. I think the narrative is just too strong. I don't see how the Patriots win without doing a good job passing the ball. Him putting up big numbers. My dark horse MVP is a player who in the playoffs has done good things for the Patriots that he hadn't done in almost two full seasons before. Danny Amendola will have just, I don't know, a Deion Branch kind of game. And he's my dark horse MVP. <laughs> you know what? That's a very respectable set of picks, Dan. Oh, watch out, watch out, Dan. What? No, <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with me saying I'll just that? Wait for your left jab to come. There's That's no okay. left jab coming. It's a very, it's a very important nice and very powerful easy. set of picks. It's very impressive. I, yes. I don't want to deflate anything you just said. Um, at, at all. It's all right. You don't have any proof. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to deflate it. I, I think that the – um, No, no, no. I think the pounds <laughs> per square <laughs> inch <laughs> of – The pounds per square inch of that pick is unbelievable. Jack McCoy time. I think um, 
I think you've clearly spied on a lot of great stats that allowed you to grab that. And I think it's allowed you to watch this one. Uh-oh. Cheat your way. <laughs> oh, to that a was fine bad. Boo. Pick. Boo. <laughs> We're out of here on Edge of Sports. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.